One of my favourite Christian authors, a guy called John Piper, says this. Remembering God's past grace is necessary to fuel our faith in God's future grace for us. He goes on to say this makes the memory one of God's most profound, mysterious and merciful gifts granted to us. God designed it to be a means of preserving, persevering grace for his people. We neglect it at our own peril. The whole future of the church, both globally and locally, and of each Christian, depends largely on how well we remember. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. I simply want to cast our minds back and remember. You see, we're on a pretty exciting journey together, aren't we? God's given us a big vision of the future. We dream of the day when Jesus will be the most talked about person in Birmingham. We also dream of being for the good of our city. And even bigger than that, we dream of impacting nations. I think it's fair to say God has got so much more he wants to do in us and through us. But to get faith for the journey... I want us to pause, cast our minds back and remember what God has done already. I want us to look back over the last year and celebrate some of the many stories there have been of God doing extraordinary things right slap bang in the midst of the ordinariness of everyday life. But first of all, I want to kind of set the scene by reminding you of a couple of stories from the Bible. Because all the way through, from Genesis to Revelation, this whole idea of remembrance is one of the key rhythms bursting out of the pages of the Bible. It's as though God knows we have spiritual amnesia. He knows that we're forgetful. And so he commands us to do certain things that will serve as reminders for us. In his grace, he gives us, if you like, these markers to keep us from forgetting where we've come from. That's certainly what we see in our first story. I want to follow along. It's found in Exodus chapter 12. Just to give you a bit of the background, the people of Israel, they've been enslaved in Egypt. They're under pretty harsh taskmasters. And so God sends his spokesperson, Moses, to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. Pharaoh, he has a pretty hard heart. He refuses stubbornly. And so God rolls up his sleeves and starts hurling out plagues. He sends frogs. He turns their water into blood. He blacks out the sun and on and on and on it goes. But all the time, Pharaoh refuses to relent. And so finally, God sends the harshest of judgments of all. And he says, if you continue to refuse to allow my people to go, then the firstborn son in every Egyptian household will die on this night. And then if you remember the story, we looked at it a few weeks back, he goes to the people of Israel and he says, I want you to kill a lamb. Remember we looked at this story a few weeks back. Kill a lamb. Take the blood of that innocent, spotless lamb. Wipe the blood of that lamb on your doorposts and the angel of death will pass over. Then in Exodus 12, verse 14, God gives his people this instruction. This is a day to remember. Each year, from generation to generation, You must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. I'm simply saying, I don't want you to ever forget this day. I want you to keep on remembering what I've done. If I can make it even more specific, remember that you didn't do this. You you aren't the ones who called out the frogs. I 
called the frogs. You you didn't make a fire fall from the sky. I sent fire from the sky. You didn't turn the water into blood. I turned the water into blood. You didn't part the Red Sea. I parted the Red Sea. You didn't defeat the Egyptian army with your might and your strength. No, I'm the one. I defeated the Egyptian army. Don't forget, I did this. You didn't do it. I did this. Yeah, you ended up getting out of slavery, but you didn't get out of slavery because you were awesome, because of your strength, because of your wisdom, because of your might. No, you got out of slavery because I'm awesome, because of my strength, my wisdom, my might. When it comes to remembering God's faithfulness, we can so quickly forget. In the span of just a couple of chapters, We see the Israelites delivered from slavery and brought through the Red Sea. And then we find them grumbling about not having enough food to eat. And then when God miraculously provides them with food, they end up complaining that they had better food when they're in slavery in Egypt. It's like God has made bread miraculously fall from the sky and so they're fed. And all they do is grumble and moan. And you remember why? They didn't get into the promised land initially. They sent spies in. All but two came back and said, man, the the people over there, they're really huge. And the walls, they are incredibly tall. I don't think we want any part of this. And so God's punishment was to let that whole unbelieving generation die in the wilderness. We kind of want to say to them, don't you remember what God just did for you? The water stood up like two walls. You walked through the sea on dry ground. Don't you think that the God who can do that is also able to give the land that he's promised you? Why don't you just trust him? Now, all that being said, I don't think we can be too critical. So if we take a look at ourselves, our own track record, if we're really honest, I think there are occasions where we do the same thing. It's like God brings us through a trial. He dramatically answers our prayers. He brings extraordinary breakthrough. And within a few days, it's just forgotten. It's like we have this tendency to to keep looking to the next struggle on the horizon and finding fresh reasons to moan and grumble and complain. Israel is absolutely a picture of what we do. A lot of the time, we're no better than them. Nothing has changed. And so we like God's people in the Old Testament, have got to find ways of remembering what he's done for us in the past. We have got to develop a much better rhythm of pausing and reflecting and remembering and then celebrating what God has done for us, lest we forget. That's the first story. The second story is found in the book of Joshua. Chapter 3, read of yet another amazing miracle that God has performed for his people. Of course, the Jordan River to stop flowing so they could cross again on dry ground and eventually into the promised land. God then instructs them through Joshua to gather 12 stones from the Jordan River to set up as a memorial in remembrance of what God did for his people that day. Pick up the story in verse 5 of Joshua 4. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We'll use these stones to build a memorial. 
In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Once again, this is, remember what I have done. I'm the one who delivered you from slavery. I'm also the one who got you out of the desert and right to the very edge of the promised land. And as I'm about to send you in to conquer and finally inhabit the land, I don't want you to forget that I have provided for you and protected you each step of the journey. I want you to remember the miracles that are performed for you. And so I want you to put out some markers that keep you from ever forgetting. So that is what we're going to do this morning. It's like we mustn't forget. We, we must find ways of remembering what God has done among us, which is why I want to put some markers in front of you right now. I want to look back over the last year or so and share some stories that will hopefully inspire you for the journey that lies ahead. First of all then, in terms of the big vision, the big dream of seeing Jesus, the most talked about person in Birmingham. This time last year, if you recall, I shared some goals to try and show some practical steps that we could take with this. If you remember, I stood here and encouraged us to simply have some meals with our friends. Because there's nothing like eating together to help build and cement relationship. I also suggested praying for three of our friends every week. I'm aware that both of these goals were perhaps a little tricky to actually record. But that being said, 53 of us said that we were praying. And 176 of us remembered to log meals that we'd had with our friends. And just to say... Actually, at the end of the day, is not about the numbers. It's very much about the people that those numbers represent. Because people matter. That's why we celebrate the fact we had our two best ever attended Next Step events over the last year. First with John Archer, then with our Christmas carol concert. More than that, that's why we celebrate the fact we know of at least eight people representing each of our three sites have put their faith in Jesus since September last year. Yeah, a bit of applause. It's called for on that one, definitely. If you recall, one of our other goals was we wanted to see a thousand stories of breakthrough in our lives across the church through the last year. I love the way so many of you got on board with this. Don't know about you, one of the absolute highlights of this last year was just reading each of those 338 posts on the Stories of Breakthrough Facebook page. Each one of those stories was like a stone placed as a monument to God's goodness, God's provision, and God's faithfulness. Now, I want to thank all of you who had the courage this last year to step out in faith And then take the time to record what God did as a result for our encouragement. It has been a phenomenal blessing. A couple of the more prolific contributors to the Stories of Breakthrough page have been Verity and Liz, 
who, along with Lucy, have been going into Bearwood every Monday morning, rain or shine, looking for people to pray for and encourage there on the street. I think the moral of the story, reading through those numerous stories of breakthrough related to that work, is when you actually look for God to use you, when you go out expecting that he's going to use you, he really does. Now, compared with the scale of the task that still lies ahead of us. I do admit these stories might still feel slightly small and slightly insignificant. A bit like a mustard seed. See, if you remember, it's how Jesus describes how his kingdom would eventually grow and spread to fill the whole earth. Listen, if Jesus is to be the most talked about person in Birmingham, that's how it's going to happen. One story at a time. We dream of the day when Jesus will be the most talked about person in Birmingham. Secondly, we believe that God has placed us in Birmingham to be the good, to be for the good of our city. It's like we're not here merely to survive. No, we're sent to bring life and hope. I'm telling you, this city will be impossible to reach if the church merely sits in the building. But as each one of us goes to school, goes to college, goes to work, Intent on bringing hope and righteousness and compassion and justice and mercy. Then change will come. Again, one story at a time. So let me just share a range of stories. Again, to hopefully encourage you with the difference we are making in different sectors of society. First of all, in the arts. As a church, we want to see Christian artists of any discipline, whether it's visual artists, musicians, writers, performers, want to see Christian artists using their skills and their gifts to speak into and shape the culture that we live in. To this end, we want to encourage actively Christian artists to grow in excellence in their work and to produce work for a universal audience. It's very much the thinking behind Sputnik, our... Uh, creative Arts Collective. You may have clocked this, it may just have passed you by, but we've just aged our What Is It To Be Human exhibition in Digbeth. There were over 150 people at the launch night, majority of whom heard about it through the local arts grapevine. One lady from the church did invite a friend along, who had already come to one of our Next Step events towards the end of last year, one of the Is Faith Reasonable Nights. And she was really struck by the exhibition and the launch event and saw it as yet another push to seriously investigate Christianity for herself. Overall, to quote Johnny Meller, it was a real stake in the ground in the art scene of Birmingham. It was very well received by the gallery, who have strong links with some of the city's premier galleries and creative centre points. We celebrate stories like that. Earlier on, last year, Josh Whitehouse, who is himself an active part of Sputnik, also an immensely talented illustrator and also a proud resident of Bearwood, he teamed up with local historian and created just a whole series of images about the history and culture of his local area. These were then exhibited uh, last October in a gallery in Bearwood. Just another great example of doing our city Good. And then there's Jamila. Uh, Jamila from our North Site uh, and her group chosen. They were nominated for Best Gospel Act in the MOBO Awards. And they actually took home the award for the Best Gospel Act at the Urban Music Awards last year. 
In an interview on the Mobo website, this is how they describe themselves. Our mission statement is to encourage, inspire, and challenge people to think about their lives and the end goal. We try to address this through song in a relatable way in order that others may be reached both inside and outside the church. But it's not just about the arts. We also want to be for the good of the city and the whole business community. We believe that all of life is to be viewed as service to God. And so how we conduct ourselves 9 till 5 or 9 till 6 or 9 to 7 or whatever, Monday to Friday, is just as much worship as what we do for an hour and a half or so on a Sunday morning. There are just a couple of stories of people who are doing this in their respective fields. First of all, is Brian Morgan, who's part of our West site. Last year, Brian was awarded the President's Award by the Association of Credit in Central and Eastern Europe. And his team also scooped the Commercial Team of the Year Award. This is how Brian describes his motivation. I'm committed to developing my team to be the best they can be and to achieve their career goals and to help others in the whole credit profession by sharing and exchanging good and best practice. As part of his role, uh, heading up a team, um, he got some of them to volunteer, as they have done in previous years, at the Caris Neighbour Scheme Senior Citizens Christmas Lunch. Uh, and each of the members of the church who were there helping, who chatted with members of Brian's team, uh, invariably they said, look, this is the best place we have ever worked. And it's because of Brian's leadership and the whole ethos he brings to the team. Now that is just one office. That is just one workplace. But imagine if that was replicated in schools and hospitals and offices and different businesses right around the city and beyond. Up for another story? Yeah, I was going to give you another one anyway. But uh, the year before last, the IT Industry Trade Association recognised five young entrepreneurs and innovators from around the world who are making their mark in the technology industry and who are shaping its future. I quote, these emerging leaders are being applauded for their early successes and relentless pursuit of excellence and originality. One of the five on the PA desk, even now, was our very own Raj Patel. Round of applause for Raj. Now, you may may not have realised, but Raj and his company, Vanti, also kitted out with all the AV equipment, our very own Birmingham Library. And their work has been recognised and celebrated through winning the Innovation Award for Best Public Sector Slash Government Facility. It really is no exaggeration to say that Raj has helped make Birmingham a better place to live. And in the world of politics, as Charles de Gaulle, who isn't a member of any of our sites, but I'm going to quote him anyway... He's reported to have remarked, I've come to the conclusion that politics are too serious a matter to be left just to the politicians. Now as a church, we don't support any one party, but we do encourage people to engage with politics as a means of shaping and bringing change right across our society. That's why we celebrate the fact that Colin Green from our west side stood in the last general election and that last year, two members of our work-life group were in conversation with the cabinet ministers for health and energy and climate change. 
And then last January, Ian Duncan Smith, Secretary of State for Work and Pensions, he visited our CAP centre. Well, on the subject of CAP, since we launched our centre just three years ago, we've already seen 145 clients. 15 of those clients are now completely debt-free. What's more, 13 people have made some confession of faith and have engaged in Church Central at some level. Further 24 have made either recommitments or re-engaged in other churches. And then last December, we had the joy of giving out 44 Christmas hampers that have been provided by a company in Solihull. Now, of course, the numbers are to be applauded, but they only tell a fraction of the story. The difference that this is making to people's lives is absolutely phenomenal. I think the same could be said of the work we do with senior citizens. Last year, 61 different older people have come to one of our six Time for Tea events, the majority coming to every one of them. And 24 older people have come to Senior Life Group through the last year. 17 of those have become Christians or at least renewed their relationship with Jesus or recommitted their lives to him since joining that group. For a lot of them, they were brought up to go to church in a very traditional way, but they just hadn't seen it as a living, everyday relationship with Jesus. Now they do. might be interested to know, uh, this last week, one of the members of the life group celebrated her 100th birthday. So we've now got someone in the church who raises the average age considerably, her 100th birthday. And although now experiencing dementia, she still knows and expresses God's faithfulness through her life. Just before Christmas, Helen was invited to 10 Downing Street by David Cameron as a representative for Birmingham in celebration of the work being done with older people in the community. Kind of illustrates that the difference we're making in the city is being recognised. Now, time doesn't permit me to speak of the many stories that could also be told of people in the room making a difference where God has placed them. Whether it's an industry, the NHS, the media, in education, bringing up young children, or whatever. But I'm hoping that just the few stories I have told will encourage you to have faith to make a difference where God has placed you and to play your part in being for the good of our city. We dream of the day when Jesus will be the most talked about person in Birmingham. We also exist to be for the good of our city. And then thirdly, the third part of our vision, we want to impact nations. Now, a big part of the reason why Andy Martin and the family moved to Birmingham 18 months ago, why Andy joined the staff team, was to help catch us as a church up with mission overseas. It's been incredibly exciting then, over the last 12 months, to see a whole host of people from the church going to serve overseas in different contexts. Among others, we sent a student team to Turkey, Phil and Claire Biggs, and then the whole Holmes family, also did trips to Turkey. Seven people from the church attended the Islamic World School of Leadership last autumn. 
And alongside reading all of those stories of breakthrough through the year, this conference was one of my absolute highlights of the last 12 months. Being in a room with people serving in incredibly challenging situations, the joy, the freedom in the room, and the stories told of of God breaking out in context after context after context. And seeing Andy right in the mix of it all, taking a lead, inspiring, encouraging, pastoring. It's a privilege as a church to have some involvement, some partnership with all of that. Right now, Heidi Bentley from our north side, she's not in the room because she's in the Congo on a short-term project with Tear Fund. Then, of course, we have Rich and Judy in Jordan, eagerly preparing to move to lead a new work, a new plan into Beirut. Now, every time you meet up with Rich, he always has a new story to tell. Probably my favorite one from last year uh, was he took it upon himself to translate some stories about Jesus into Arabic. And having written these stories out, uh, he thought he'd take a bit of a punt and he'd contact the leading uh, best-known actor uh, in all of Lebanon. I think he does the voiceovers for some of the soap operas from other countries. He's a household name, very well respected. Rich asked him whether he would do uh, the voiceover for these stories in Arabic about Jesus. Uh, And the guy eventually responded and said, well, send me the scripts and I'll think about it. He got back to Rich Sharpish after receiving the script, saying, well, this is just amazing. Uh, I'd love to be part of this project. And so he recorded these stories. Uh, And then Rich set up a targeted uh, Google ad campaign uh, into Lebanon uh, and had over 20,000 hits of people kind of listening to these stories in Arabic uh, about Jesus. And because of the notoriety of that, uh, the national radio station, one of the national radio stations, contacted Rich and said, look, we've heard some of these stories would you mind if we broadcast some of them on national radio? All of which is in preparation for Rich and Judy and the team going and arriving in Beirut uh, in 12 months or so's time. Of course, you don't actually need to leave Birmingham to impact nations. With more than 100 languages spoken, at least 87 different ethnic groups 238,313 people who were born outside the UK. That's almost a quarter of the population of our city. This is our diversity whose influence reaches right across the globe. My favourite examples of this is the work that Ed from our South site is doing right now. Ed's PhD research aims to analyse and suggest improvements in the coherence-based genealogical method Now, for the sake of the hand from the room who haven't a clue what the coherence-based genealogical method is, for those who do know, just excuse me while I explain. Uh, Basically, it handles complete sets of textual evidence and identifies the initial text and textual history of the Bible. And the example behind uh, is just in visual form, all the fragments of parchment of text for John chapter 18 Uh, put through the program that Ed has worked on to show how they fit together, which one came from which one, and what the original sources were. As well as spending his time preparing uh, pretty interesting pictures like that, these improvements will lead to changes in the original Greek New Testament text, and thereby the text of Bibles in many languages throughout the 21st century and beyond. And as a church, we have a stake in that. Now look, I've just bombarded you with a whole host of different stories, some of which you'll remember, many you'll forget. But each one is like a stone. By itself, 
it might not look particularly impressive, but it's when you place them all together that they begin to form a pretty stunning memorial to what God is doing in and through us. Yep, there is still much to be done. But remembering God's past grace is necessary to fuel our faith in God's future grace for us.